The P-Files. Last night, I dreamt about a bird's nest with three baby birds in it, in the rafters above an outdoor patio. Some kids were playing in the backyard, unattended, and all of a sudden shouted, There's a snake! There's a snake! The backyard was barren. A dirt hill, some hot weather shrubs and plants, sunbleached gardening tools, a rusty shed. Anyway, into this backyard ran me and some adults older than myself. They were not my mom or dad or anyone I knew, but we all felt in league with each other in that dream logic kind of way. We ran out to the peach-colored stucco wall to see the back half of the snake dangling down from the rafters. We couldn't see its head. Its body was crisscrossed with patchwork brown and yellow scales, a gopher snake. Not poisonous, but tucked up where the bird's nest was. Birds will do that. They put their nests in eaves and overhangs, and sometimes blue jays will fly up there and try to take the eggs, and well, today in this dream it was a snake. The adult birds hovered frantically about two feet away from this chirping hysterical trying to ward away the snake. One of the human adults told the children to go inside, but the kids lingered the same way adults will watch the aftermath of a car accident or a town watches a stoning. Another human adult used one of those claw grabber things that you uh, use to pick up litter at the beach or grab a jar on the shelf in the kitchen that's way up. They use this to try and grab the snake's body and pull it away, but it was too wily. And you could still hear the chirping in the nest, but not see what was happening. The snake was too strong, like a living sentient spinal cord covered in muscles. The human adult could not get the snake out. And... There was still chirping, and then less chirping, and finally, no chirping. Also, for some reason, there was a guy there with a big crazy mustache feeding wet dog food to dolphins, just rolling it up into balls and lob it into their shiny mouths. I always have crazy dreams when I eat a lot of cheese, and I always eat a lot of cheese when I feel regret, which I did and do feel after what I've done to a recent stranger you and I both know. I'm talking, of course, about Lydia, the fan club president, and tonight, I gotta make it right. Cruising through the Pine Tree State and the Green Mountain State, 
I wish I could say these plucky sobriquets I'm road tripping through were enough to take my mind off things. But the fact of the matter is, I promised to someone to deliver something special to them. Not, more than delivering something that belonged to them back to them. I, it was something of them that they wanted sent to someone else. And instead, I dumped it in a trash can. I'm talking about Lydia's erotic thriller set against the backdrop of Y2K. I reneged on a deal I made. And whether that bargain was with the devil herself or just another marm in a strange house, the point remains. I betrayed my own standards. Now what do I mean by that? See, after the Lydia affair, I've been getting messages non-stop like this one. Yes, uh, hello. This message is for Ryan Cervantes, and I would just like to say that why are you spending all this time making such a big stink and slandering the name of a good, honest man like Luke Pattersby, a man of letters and a bestseller at that? I mean, heck, why not just write something new yourself instead of all this horsing off if you think you're such a big shot? Thank you. This person is not wrong, misguided, sure, about my priorities, but the point remains. Ain't my brain able to make up another brand new hit character? I did it once before. The answer, of course, is yes. I have a thousand amazing ideas. But right now, what I'm focused on, what this is all about, is justice. Artistic integrity. Still, no matter how you slice it, what I did to Lydia and her pages, her manuscript, there's nothing artistic about that. That was not an act of integrity, befitting of me, the one holding the moral compass. Your messages have me thinking a little differently about how I've represented myself as a person. Me throwing away Lydia's hard work? That wasn't about justice. See, in the moments following dumping Lydia's erotic thriller in the trash can, I made a big, showy gesture of wiping my hands clean, like a cartoon character. More for me than anyone else. After that, I hopped in my car and made a beeline for a place that sold cheese. The unfortunately named Mr. McGeezium's Wonder and Cheesium. And that's when I began to have the sneaking suspicion that why I did what I did, my reasons of revenge or catharsis, animosity against a Pattersby Stan, These reasons I told myself were wrong. I did what I did out of spite. I'd come face to face with someone at the beginning of their writer's journey and it made me jealous. Jealous of their hope and possibility. I'd had so many doors shut in my face, experienced so much hurt, that I wanted to pass that pain on to someone else snuff out their light before it got a chance to shine. Like a gopher snake chowing down on bird eggs. 
that's why I did what I did. And I see that now. And I'm not proud of it. As much as I hate Pattersby, his fans are not him. They're not Pattersby. I should be focusing on creating, not destroying. And that's why I went back. Okay, I got it. I went back and I got the manuscript out of the trash can. It doesn't smell great. Smells like pee and bananas and there was at least nine used condoms on it, but the words are all there intact. So what now? After everything I've said, I still can't promise I'll deliver this thing to Pattersby. It just doesn't add up. What, I confront the guy, say my piece, have my big moment, and then what? Oh, and uh, by the way, some rando wanted me to give you her life's work. Um, she's a fan of yours. Enjoy. Uh, that's not gonna fly. Yet and still, now that I have Lydia's manuscript in my hot little hands, I feel protective over it. What's going on here is I feel a responsibility to this little world Lydia's contained in these pages. I'm like someone who stepped out on his doorstep to get the morning paper and found a baby left there. We've made eye contact. It's held my thumb. I have to do right by it. Okay, I'm parked outside Lydia's house. I decided the best thing to do is return it to her doorstep under cover of night. No harm, no foul. Uh, but uh, it looks like her adult stepson Jeremy is sitting on the porch, uh, pretty active on his phone. I'll just wait him out. Easy as pie. Jesus, he's still out there. It's like 2 a.m. right now. He's just really, really chatting away with someone. I gotta hand it to him. He is an articulate fellow, especially when it comes to the subject of lime kiln history. Uh, at one point, he, he smoked something out of a light bulb. Uh, it wasn't, as far as I could tell, some of the major things you smoke out of a light bulb. It, it smelled very d different, like... Uh, his own concoction. Uh, I, I, it was getting a little musty in here, so I rolled the window down and some of whatever he was smoking wafted over here and it's <laughs> kind of playing havoc with my head a little bit. It's making me a little jittery and uh, a little, you know, I feel a little wild. Um, <laughs> I just wish that he would go inside, you know? It's just like, come on, dude, just go inside. Hey! Oh, crap. Oh crap, he sees me, he sees me. I see you! I see you, asshole! Come back, man! I come back here! I lost him, I lost him. Woo!
Okay, so plan B. I have a good idea to get rid of this thing. And I don't know if it's the mystery substance of whatever Jeremy was smoking nearby me or if it's just the adrenaline of another daring escape or that I haven't eaten or sleeping in seven hours, but I drove off the main road toward a dark, dense forest. A forest that called to me, beckoned me in that ancient, ethereal language of ideas. Also, I had to take a whiz. And admittedly, the idea I have now for Lydia's manuscript, it's an off-the-wall idea. It's an inspired idea. And I think it's the right idea. It's an idea that involves honor and dignity. And most important, it's what I need from this and, and, and what this manuscript needs from me in order for us to put this all behind us. A proper goodbye. I'm talking about a burial. To let you know where my head is at with all this, I feel a lot like the character from The Telltale Heart by whoever wrote that. I think it was Charles Dickens or the guy who did Sherlock Holmes. Um, this thing, these pages have a power over me that I need to silence. I need to smother. I need to rid from the darkest reaches of my brain. And look, let's be honest, this thing was just going to be a desk drawer novel anyways before I came along. It was going to die a silent death in the shadows of shame. This will not be the case with my plan. This will not be the fate of Lydia's manuscript. Lydia's erotic thriller set against the backdrop of Y2K will be entombed like a hero. If you ask me, it deserves that. All ideas that don't make it deserve at least that. A respectful, proper goodbye. A kiss of adieu into the abyss. <clears throat> this is the right thing to do. It is. And I'll tell you, I'm not a holy guy or a spiritual mumbo-jumbo type, but briefly, I even thought about maybe I'll build a small boat of twigs and float it up a river, but like, I, I don't have time for that. I will commend this manuscript to the earth from whence its pages came. This makes sense to me. Even without Jeremy's acrid light bulb smoke, this makes sense. I'm going to walk into this forest and sever the tie that binds us. Okay, I'm in the woods. The moon is out. I'm on my knees digging around with my hands in the dirt because I don't have any tools. I tried using my keys, but those didn't work super well. Oof, it's cold. I guess I should have thought this through a little better. I told myself I was going to dig the relative equivalent of six feet to this four inch stack of papers, but my math just is not there tonight and I'm pretty deep, elbow deep, so in you go. Okay, cover it up. Okay. You know, it still feels kind of off, like I don't know if this is the right choice. Ah, no, I should say a few words. That's what's missing. A eulogy. 
Elegy? No, kind of the same thing, no? Whatever. <clears throat> life is life. There's no change in that. And as we go on, we remember all the times we had together. And as our lives change, come what... Wait a second, that sounds... That's a pop song by Vitamin C. Graduation. Parentheses. Friends forever. This is ridiculous. Um, hasta la vista manuscript. Bye-bye. So long. Don't let the door hit you where the good look... What was that? What was that? Ooh. Ah, that's a freaking hootie owl. Uh, Ichabod Crane much? Alright, let's go. Wait, is it that way? Or this way? I'm not lost. I'm not lost. I am... See, I remember I buried the pages with the tops of the words facing the direction it came from. But... Can't remember which way I buried them because they're in the ground and I have to dig them up. Damn it. I guess I'm digging them back up. Yeah, I hear you. Just digging in the middle of nowhere. Hope that's allowed. I can't believe this is so stupid of me. Okay, here we are. We've got our pages and our tops of the words are facing north. Easterly. I knew that. I did. I knew that. Now, let's get out of here. Let's go get somewhere warm. Find some hot cocoa or. Oh, whoops. I'm still holding on to these things, huh? What? I guess I should bury them again? Uh, I mean, now that I've exhumed them, I, and I'm so cold and I want to go back to the car, it seems. Like a bit much to do all that over again. And, you know, and don't hate me for this, but I'm not even sure burying was even the right idea in the first place. You know how I mentioned earlier that these things have a power over me? Maybe I'm more attached to these than I thought. You know, maybe this is a part of me. Maybe these pages are my albatross. Ugh, it's cold. These pages don't belong in the ground is what I'm saying. That's what it is. Okay, come with me. The pages would travel with me out of that forest. This much was clear. Though their fate, much like mine, was yet to be written. Yeah, Drysden, tell your supercomputer to compute this. <laughs> That's not bad, Lydia. It's not bad at all. Gosh, what am I going to do with you, you stinker? It would be a shame to hide this thing from the world. I miss this. I miss us. Me and Ryder me. 
reading drafts. God, it'd be good to be back in the story game. Wait, Lydia didn't write her name on this thing. <laughs> just for like a goof, what if, what if I wrote my name on it? You know, just to see what it feels like. <laughs> what would be super funny is if I scratched out her title and then I wrote down what I would name this thing. Um, ah. Overclock by Ryan Cervantes and not Luke Pattersby. Ah, oh, that looks nice. That looks real nice. Hmm. Anywho, while I figure out what to do with this thing, we will see you all next time with Chapter 3, The Rise and Fall of Fiona Caruso. This episode featured music from Eric Jorgensen and additional music from Holizna. We are also lucky to have David Kurz portraying the folksy disgruntled caller. And speaking of folksy, we want to thank the folks who recently joined our Patreon, namely Die Inside Gaming and Jessica Burson of Regina Prime. You too can join our Patreon if you'd like to support us, or you can just share us online, re or you could just share us online, leave a review, spoil a family dinner by dominating the conversation with how much you love this show. We also want to invite you to sign up for Apollo Plus, the home of audio drama on internet. There's a lot of great titles there, all in one place. And over there, we are releasing bonus content a little earlier. You can get these P files right in your inbox. Most importantly, like, just be vocal about how much you enjoy this stuff or anyone else's show. I mean, that's what we do this for. I mean, that's the reason I do it for that and, you know, those favors I owe the Mafia. So get out there, tell a friend, tell a lover, tell an enemy, go tell it on the mountain. And until next time, see you in the Thriller Pages.